What's up, Purpose Driven Entrepreneurs? I'm your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is Jonathan Trowin. He is the founder and chief inspiration officer of Self Love Revolution. Jonathan, welcome to the show. So happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. So we were having this awesome uh, pre-interview conversation about self-talk. And uh, it's not what I typically base most of these podcast episodes off of, but it was such a good conversation that I was like, hold on a second, let me hit record. Let me try to get this on the podcast. So uh, Jonathan, before we dive into any of the my agenda for this episode, uh, so we were just talking about self-talk and I was sharing with you how, uh, for me personally, when I switched from I statement type self-talk to you statement type self-talk, it was really positive. So I switched from, man, why the heck can I just not wake up earlier to, you know, Timmy, you are very good at what you do. And it would be a good idea if you wake up earlier. Uh, that was very, very good for me. And that it's, uh, you were, you were saying that that brought to mind something that you read. Yeah. So I've been teaching for over a decade now, um, speaking to different personalities that we have within us. Um, there are the 13 saboteurs, the inner critics there, there's your inner guide and your inner team. You have a whole inner team of people seeking to help you. There are also child selves, younger versions of yourself, which are all inside of you. So I've been working with people with ways to talk to these different personalities. And, and it's a part of the self-love revolution is, is identifying these different parts of us. And I read this article a few months ago. And now this is real research. So I work a lot just intuitively. Um, I believe in the research and I love it. I'm just not, I'm not a scientist, right? Yeah. So I, I work more intuitively. And then when things come across that prove it, I'm like, woohoo! So this research came out. I wish I could tell you who did the research, um, but they put a name to this. I've never called it this before though, though I have begun to use this term. They call it distanced self-talk. Okay. And how they identify distanced self-talk is talking to yourself instead of, you know, I am whatever, or, you know, I'm great, or I suck, or I'm not good enough, which is a lot of people's story, uh, putting it in either, they say either the second person or the third person. So instead of saying, I'm so pissed off that blah, blah, blah happened, to say, he's so pissed off that da, da, da happened. Mm. or you're so pissed off at da, da, da happened or the way I do it. I try and pick that part of you that's pissed off, but the okay. research didn't go to that part of it. But what it said was when we use distant self-talk, when we refer to ourselves in that self-talk, which we all have in the second or third person, that the emotional energy, the emotional attachment we have to it is dissipated. So when we say, he's so angry that that happened or he's so sad that that happened. It creates that space and you, the me, the yeah. I doesn't feel so angry or sad anymore. Why do and, you think it works that way? Yeah. And the fact that they put a, a name to it and actually, I mean, I'm not the only one who taught this. I, I learned this to be clear. I learned it from others. Yeah. Uh, they learned it from others. But to put a name to it and to have the research and the data that proves it, I thought was really powerful. We just need to change our self-talk with ourselves and, and life changes. Yeah, yeah. Well, but why do you think it's like that? 
Why? Um, because I don't know the answer. I just know that it works. Because we get too wrapped up in our own identity. Interesting. It's even so. You know, Thich Nhat Hanh was one of my early teachers. Now he doesn't know me. He doesn't know he's my teacher. He's my teacher. Okay. Uh, and he talks about feelings and emotions in this way. He says, uh, if you're feeling sad, it's not that I am sad, which puts an identity on us. It says there's sadness within me. Okay. So now he is using the first person, but it creates the, the separation even of, of you in the emotion, right? Yeah. So yeah. there's this thing that's inside of me, you know, and there's also bones inside of me and there's a heart and a liver and there, there's stuff inside of me. Yeah. And I think what this does is it creates more separation that, you know, they, look, they, they say, if you're going to fix a business, you have to take the 30,000 foot view, right? You got to get out of the weeds and take that 30,000 foot view and look at what's going on, that you can't fix it while you're in the middle of it. And yeah. it's the same with our thoughts with, with, and our emotions, which are very connected. Now, people say thoughts create emotions, true, but emotions also create thoughts equally. I'm beginning to believe more, the more research I do on it. Um, but it begins to separate it. So instead of I'm in the weeds here feeling whatever I'm feeling, let's take that 30,000 uh, foot view. Okay, he's feeling that. When I can look at that, not in the midst of it, not in all the chaos and the swirling, but take a step back as if you're watching the movie, as if you're watching the, the company, you know, and, and, and just taking that step back. Yeah, yeah. It, you have that distance where, where you, can, you can look at it in a different way than when you're in the middle of it. And yeah. even the you, Right, when we talk to our friends, and, and, and I know we haven't gotten into all the details, but when, when I talk about the self-love revolution, when people ask me what's self-love, I, I say it's being your friend. Yes. Begin to be your best friend. So when we talk about you, it's like, if I'm, if I'm talking to, to you, Timmy, and, and we're having a conversation and you share something with me, I'm gonna talk to you as a kind person, a person I wanna be kind to. Um, you know, we don't know each other for a long time, but I'm going to treat you like a friend. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. when I can have that you relationship with me, I can then begin to treat me like a friend. And here's what's really interesting is that other person of the you can begin treating me as a friend too. Yeah. goes both ways. I, I think, I don't know if that really answers your question, but I, I think that's a piece of it is is creating distance, getting out of the weeds so that you can have that 30,000 foot view and change your relationship with yourself. Yeah. What got you started thinking about self-love so seriously? So I had already been coaching for some years at this point. I had been practicing yoga for years. I had been coaching for years. I had decent success. My clients were having awesome success. And I thought I'd had a lot of this figured out, right? Because yeah. I had already done a lot of the work. And I, I, I still, <laughs> I wish I could really remember the incident. I, I, I don't remember if I was reading it or watching a video. I think I may have been watching a video. And it was with this woman, Louise Hay. If you don't know Louise Hay, everyone look her up. She's amazing. She's like, she's the godmother 
of self-love. And she said, go to the mirror. She calls it mirror work. She says, go to the mirror and say, I love you. And I'm thinking, well, I've been doing this work for you know a bunch of years now. I mean, practicing yoga by that time, well over a decade. And I've been coaching people, I don't know exactly how many years, but a bunch of years by that point. So I go, this is going to be great. And I walk to the bathroom uh, and I look in the mirror and I'm going to take my glasses off because I didn't have glasses on then. And I look in the mirror and I go, Jonathan, I... And that was really an exact quote where yeah. I could not look myself in the eyes and I couldn't say the words. And I curled up into a little ball because the feeling that I had was just this, this feeling like, what just happened to me? I was like, what just happened? And I curled up into a little ball. I had no idea what happened. I eventually recovered. Um, and I was like, that was really bizarre. And that's when I learned that I didn't like myself. If you would have asked me the day before, if you would have asked me 10 minutes before, I would have said, of course, yeah. Because I had the confidence skills and I had the, the goal setting skills. And I even had the, the, that distant self-talk uh, self -talk skills that we were just talking about. Like I, I had that. Um, so I was like, whoa, I didn't try it again for another month. It was so terrifying to me. But I did know that I had to get back up and jump back on and practice and see what was going on here. So I practiced again. I did it again. Didn't, didn't do it very well. And then I, I realized that, so that's what got me to answer your question. That's what got me interested in it. Yeah. And then I had to figure out some of the other tools that I had to kind of do before I could say those words. Like it was, I had to go to the gym for my brain to fall in love with myself. Mm. Yeah. I like, I like calling it mirror work because it definitely feels like work. And I, I used to do this work and I've since stopped doing this work. I feel like it's one of those things that if anybody's ever done it, we tend to do it and then we start to feel better and then we just stop doing it. And that's certainly where I'm at. Like I, I don't really do it anymore, but there was a yeah. time where I really needed to do it. So here, here's what I, what I tell people. And, and look, when I really started this work, even before this, the, the self-love work, when I started the coaching work or learning about it myself and the, the saboteurs, the inner critics and the self-talk and my, my future self and my inner powers and all of that, I, I did the same thing. I, I did it when things were difficult and when things were good, I forgot about it. But I'm telling you, when you really begin to build it as a habit, I look at any mirror now. If I have, I don't think about it. If I see a mirror and I see my face in the mirror, I give myself a high five. I say, Jonathan, you're looking good. It doesn't matter what I look like. I could just get out of bed or off an airplane, whatever it is. But I, I'm in the bathroom in an airport and I, I, I walk out and watch my hands. I look in the mirror and go, hey, Jonathan, you are awesome. You are I just give myself accolades all the time. So it really can become a habit. And when it becomes a habit like that, man, even the bad days, I have bad days, lots yeah. of them. Even the bad days become so much more joyous and you don't fight them so much. It yeah. just changes your perspective. So I would recommend trying it again and beginning to make it a habit. It's become so much a habit that it's embedded Anywhere I go, I start doing it.
<laughs> That's awesome. Um, I should probably ask you the main question that this podcast is based off of, Jonathan, and that is um, when you think about dying or just the your your what the, what your life has accomplished on this earth. Like, what jumps out to you is like this is what matters to me, or what do you want your legacy to be, or how do you want to be remembered? So there were a few questions in there which I would have thought were the same and no longer are the same to me. Interesting, okay. So how do I wanna be remembered? I don't care. I don't care Genuinely, anymore. you genuinely don't care. There's probably still a little piece of me that does. There, there's a yeah. part of me that still has that. So I will honor it and recognize that. Isn't that the epitome of an ego that like you care how you're gonna be remembered when you die? Like you're gone. And yet <laughs> you care how you're going to be remembered. Like, like it does, it's it one doesn't thing matter. to care today how people think about me. But yeah, anyways. Yeah, like I don't, I don't need my name on the building. Um, I, I don't, yeah, it, does, it doesn't matter to me. Now, look, in, on, look, if you learn something from me today and you share it with someone, if you remember to say, hey, I learned this from Jonathan, that'd be cool. There's a part of me that, that still wants that. I'm not going to deny that. But when I really sit down and pause and go, what do I want? And it's funny because I just, I was driving the other day and I was really thinking about this and I go, I don't care that they remember me, but what I do want them to remember is self-love. That's what I want the legacy to be. That's what I want the change to be. We, we're brought up in such a way that many of us are taught not to like ourselves. Yeah. We're taught that everyone else's competition, that you're not good enough if you don't achieve this or achieve that, or, or you know, be like the other kids on the playground, or then like the other kid in school, or like that person, or climb the corporate ladder, whatever it is, it, at any stage you are, for some reason, you're not good enough. And what I want to teach people is that you are good enough right now. You know, when I really started this work, and that was some years before I learned about self-love and did what we just spoke about. Yeah. I, when I, when I, Paul, when I, you know, I was in, in the entertainment business for 20 years, you know, interviewing the biggest stars in the world. But then I discovered that I wasn't loving my life. I created the life I wanted, just like people told me. Got to create yeah. the life you want. Okay, figure out, create the life you want. And I'm like, okay, well, why am I here not happy? I did exactly what you taught me to do. And so I, I went on this journey to figure out what was wrong with me. And here's what I discovered in that journey of figuring out what was wrong with me is that there was nothing wrong with me. And I'm telling you, that was a huge realization because I thought I had to change. I thought I had to become more like that person over there. And when I was more like that person, then I'd be okay. Of course, there were times I became more like that person, where then I had to be more like that person. So I tried to evolve into, into these different levels until I didn't even know who the hell I was anymore. Yeah. Nothing was wrong with me. And that's what I, that's what I want not my necessary legacy to be, but the legacy to be, the change to be, where, where people are kind to themselves, where you're your own best friend. Yeah. Depression disintegrates. Um, and, you know, not that that's the worst thing in the world. You know, <laughs> I had this idea and the other day just popped in, hey, don't let depression get you down. 
I'm depressed sometimes. I just don't let it get me down anymore. Hey, oh, I'm depressed today again. Okay, no worries. It's just another day. And tomorrow, maybe I will be, maybe I won't be. And I embrace it and I have joy within whatever it is I'm experiencing. And that's the life we, we can live. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. I, um, I, I have so many different thoughts off of what you just said. But the overwhelming one for me is it can, it can often feel like just a, you're pitching sort of unearned uh, positivity. <laughs> and to a cynical, a minded person, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't deserve that. Like what, what's the point of just like looking at yourself in the mirror and just saying positive things to yourself just because you want to feel better. Um, and uh, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what, what, would, what do you have to say about that? Those days where I'm having difficulty and I don't want to do it for me because I'm not worthy or good enough, I do it for those around me. I do it for my family, I do it for my son. I do it for my community, right? We have uh, one of the things we have here is Austin Yoga Tree is our mindfulness center here in Austin, Texas. So I do it for the community. I do it for others because when we're kind to ourselves, we're kinder to other people. It's not that I'm never a dick. I am still an asshole sometimes, I'll be straight up. Now, less than I used to be, and, I, and I'm happy about that, but I have definitely become a kinder person over the years, not just to myself, but to everyone else. I'm kinder to my son, no doubt about it. But it started with me being kind to myself, me forgiving myself, me um, having my own back, me looking myself in the mirror and going, on good days, dude, that was awesome. What a huge success and celebrating it. I used yeah. to beat myself up even after successes. <laughs> you know, I could interview the biggest stars in the world and I'd go, but you didn't ask that question or you stumbled over that question or you forgot to ask that question. I'd beat the shit out of myself, even though it was a great day. Now, if I have a great success, I celebrate it. But if I, I, I screw up too, I go, just like I would to a friend, right? If you came to me. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jonathan, you know, I messed this up. I'm not feeling good right now. I'd say, hey, come on in, have a cup of tea. Let's talk about this. I got your back. And I know yeah. you're feeling like crap right now, but I got your back and it's going to be okay. That's what I say to myself now. I look yeah. at myself now, I go, John, Jonathan. Yeah, that, that did kind of suck. <laughs> but you know what? Yes. I got your back. And the reality is that most of the things don't suck so much. When you really look at it, it's like, ah, who cares? So you slurred over your words a little bit. Your Boston accent came out, you know, like whatever. No, most of life is no big deal. And we make a big deal out of it. Yeah. Um, Everything inside of us that's that that uh, is designed to protect us from being, uh, you know, eaten by a predator or uh, like all this programming that we have as human beings flares up when we make a mistake. And so sometimes for me, I just go, Timmy, you're not dying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like... <laughs> exactly. You're not dying. And, you know, especially for, you know, I do, I do work with, with a lot of parents as well, right? Um, and most parents want the best things for their children, right? They want the children to live a life of joy. And, yeah. and, you know, and people that don't have kids, they want others around them to be happy. 
Well, how is your kid going to live a life of joy if you're sitting there beating yourself up all the time? You're teaching your children. You're teaching those around you how to do that, how to beat themselves up and how not to have a good time, how to suffer. Yep. I want him to enjoy life, which by the way, includes sadness. When he's sad, I say, it's okay to be sad. How old is your son? He's six years old now. That's awesome. And he cries. And, you know, and, and look, it's been a journey for me too, because at the beginning, I would try to distract him or make him happy. And, and I had to learn through the years that, oh my God, I'm trying to make him not happy. That's not, that's not okay. I never said, don't cry, but I was still trying to cheer him up. Right. I don't do that anymore. I just go, it's okay to be sad. And here's the most amazing thing. When I do that and allow him to sit through it, like, it happened the other day we're we're in the bedroom and he's in the bedroom and and i don't know exactly what happened but he was crying and i said it's okay to cry i didn't try and change it he didn't want me to hug him and he's crying and crying and crying and about five minutes later he starts cracking up Mm. and i look at him and i go what just happened aren't you crying and he goes i just had a funny thought (laughs) <laughs> and I go, yeah. what was your thought? And it was about the Transformers and this or something. He's really into Transformers now. Um, I love Transformers. So <laughs> I so, haven't grown out. <laughs> right? But I let him process it. Yeah. Now, sometimes it's more than it's sometimes it's more than five or 10 minutes. Sometimes it's half an hour. But I let him process it in his time. Therefore, it doesn't need to stay as a trauma in our bodies, which is what happens when you when you yep. force yourself not to be sad or not to be angry, it doesn't go away, folks. It just stays yep. in your body somewhere to arise another day one way or another. Yeah. So my goal is to let him process it. So one, he doesn't think sadness is bad. Like, you know, I, brought, I thought sadness, you know, don't be sad and don't cry, you know? Okay, something's wrong with me if I'm crying. Let's experience the gamut of emotions. And then when he processes it, what's on the other side? He's cracking up. I didn't have to tell him a joke. I didn't yeah. have to get the toy with all the whistles on it. Yeah. He did it himself. Yeah. I love that. Jonathan, I've got a question for you. So uh, I'm a kid's book author um, and uh, uh, I'm very passionate about like, there should be a, there should be a kid's book about almost everything. So just about anything that that should be communicated to kids, I think there should be a really good kids book about it. And so I'm curious from your perspective, what do you think is missing in the kids book space? Like as a dad of a six-year-old, like what do, what do you think there should be a kids book about? Experiencing or- feelings. I mean, it's not that there aren't any there. They are beginning to come out. But owning your feelings, emotional intelligence is not well taught these days in my belief. And even Harvard University came out with a study that said emotional intelligence, uh, EQ, they call it. Emotional intelligence is a better predictor of future, or or, is the biggest predictor of future success. Not hmm. IQ, not test grades, but emotional intelligence. And somehow we need to have this embedded into our stories. One of the books 
that I use as a not good example of what we're teaching our children is this is a, it's a Tom, I'm going to try and remember it because I don't have it in front of me, but it, it's Thomas the Train Engine. Okay. And I've used this in some of my talks. And it says, if I can remember at the beginning, after a long, hard day at work, Thomas and Percy are tired. And to me, what that sentence teaches us is that work has to be long and hard. And at the end, you have to be tired and it kind of sucks. Uh -huh. Now, I'm not against hard work. Honestly, I'm not even against tired work. Often I'm tired at the end of the day. But somewhere embedded in that, we could be teaching that work can be joyous. After a long, hard day at work, Thomas and Percy were elated because they were helping people, whatever they were doing. Or having given so much, they were tired. Um, so I think we have to do a better job of one, not, not, not associating negative things um, with regular day activities, right? Like I, I, I love Pete the cat and he loves Pete the cat, but I hate that there's a grumpy toad. Not that the toad is grumpy, grumpy's not bad, but that the grumpy toad is always put in this light that is negative. He's the grumpy toad and he's not the winner. No, we have to learn how to own all our feelings. We can be grumpy, we can be angry, we can be sad. Like I, I, I don't know a single person on the earth who hasn't been angry or sad. Uh, I wouldn't wish a life without sadness on anyone. Like, could you imagine not being sad your whole life? Yeah, no I, I love the that movie Inside Out and the how the, you've seen Inside Out? Yeah, the Inside it, Out? yes. I love I love the the realization at the end where it's like oh sadness and joy go together. Yes. So that's what we need more of in all of our teaching that that yes that cuz we do have this idea that either either I'm happy or I'm sad. Right? It's like I said before, I have bad days. But they're not bad. They're just it is ha I I can be sad and happy at the same time. I yep. can be excited and afraid at the same time. And if we let people understand what the emotions really are, it's like, I, I learned this fairly recently. Um, and I think it's relatively new in the scientific world, but not new, new. I just came across it recently. But I learned that the nerve in the nervous system, your brain controls everything. It, sen it sends information out and the body does this stuff. And then, yeah, there's some feeling signals that go back up that says, this is hot, this is cold. But what I learned recently is that the brain, the, the, the pathways from the brain to the body, that's 20% of the traffic. The pathways from the body to the brain are 80% of the traffic. Yeah. The information is held in your body. Yeah. We, we are taught, especially, you know, STEM, science, technology, uh, engineering, math, which I'm for, good stuff to know, but it's all up here. Yeah. We need to learn what is happening in our physical bodies and not just that this is hot or cold, but what is fear? What does it feel like? What is sadness? What does it feel like in our bodies? 
And I know we're on children's books, but this somehow has to get across to them from, from the young. Yeah. When you were talking, Jonathan, I was thinking you, you were saying how, you know, this kind of stuff needs to be modeled by parents. I bet there doesn't exist a kid's book where it's like, it's designed to be read parent to the child, but it's really like, it's really designed to be like ingested by the parent. Like that would be a really interesting concept for a, an emotional mastery or, or emotional intelligence type kids book. I love that. Yeah. The language of the children, but really for the parent. Yeah. So it's like, if it, if it somehow like helped, like the, the kid, like holds the kid has to hold the parent accountable. Like, it's like, you know, um, uh, I, I don't know if it could be something like, um, you know, so like whenever mom or dad passes by a mirror, um, you know, check to see are, are they are they having positive self-talk about themselves? Yeah. And it's like now all of a sudden, like the kid is going to feel empowered to be like, mom, you forgot to, to you forgot to talk to yourself. <laughs> I love that so much because so often, um, you know, if I'm sharing it with adults or and they, they want, oh, this is great for my child or even this is great for someone else. If you think yep. it's great for a child or you think it's great for someone else, guess what? It's great for you. Yeah. You need the work. And yep. to have the kids hold the parents accountable. Oh, I love that. I can't wait to buy that book from you. That's awesome. <laughs> you want to help make that book, Jonathan? I Yes. If that is an invitation, the answer is yes. I will work with you on that. Love um, it. Jonathan, this has been a super fun conversation. How should listeners connect with you? Self-love revolution dot com go there click the button that says join the revolution uh certainly you can find me facebook instagram all the regular places jonathan Troen. but join the self-love revolution become your own best friend teach your friends your kids to become their own breath best friends and let's do this together i love it thanks for being on the podcast jonathan thank you